0: Go there. With Shira and Ryan. Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello and happy Friday. This is Let's Go There with Shira. And Ryan is out today, but Shar Joselle is back with me in the saddle.
3: Yes, or in the high chair, as I call it, because my chair is really, really high today, but I like it that way.
0: Yes. I mean I like a good high chair.
3: Uh-huh. How
0: are you doing, Shar? I'm nice doing I'm
3: thought. doing pretty well. You know, it's been um quite the week, so. I can't think of a better way to, I guess, conclude. My yes, week.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, we, we need to bring back the summer happy hour into uh, Channel Q. Let's go there because we used to do happy hours here. We'll let the summer kick in first. It hasn't even, the seasons not even changed. Yeah, I just got changed. a happy hour on my mind.
3: Yeah, it's Gemini season officially. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, Gemini. Are you a Gemini? No, I'm a Capricorn. Oh, Are you oops. kidding me? We're Earth signs. Didn't we cover this? I don't know. You're Taurus. I'm yes. a Capricorn. Okay, now
0: I got it. <laughs> well, it's going to be a great show. We have a lot coming up, including updates on the current situation in Gaza with Politico. That's in 15 minutes. Plus, an app that could revolutionize safety for the black LGBTQ plus community. That's it. p.m. Pacific, 6.25 p.m. Eastern. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House COVID response advisor Andy Slavitt announced partnerships with dating apps to incentivize vaccinations.
4: Dating sites like Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, Match, OkCupid, BLK, Chispa, Plenty of Fish, and Badu. Are announcing a series of features to encourage vaccinations, help people meet people who have that universally attractive quality. They've been vaccinated against COVID-19. These sites cater to over 50 million people in the U.S. According to one of the sites, OkCupid, people who display their vaccination status are 14% more likely to get a match. We have finally found the one thing that makes us all more attractive.
3: Oh
0: okay, of course, the vaccine makes you so much I was more
3: attractive. so distracted. He <laughs> he sounds like he has a really juicy mouth. Not <laughs> in an
0: attractive like I'm not saying like, <laughs> what does you that know, mean? like you know like a really wet mouth. Oh, I just loved how you pronounced every app. He was, yeah. like he was really focusing it was on making very sure he didn't staccato. mess up the names.
3: Now, what I will mention, Shira, is that I am currently on a few dating apps, and I do have in my bio that I'm fully vaccinated as of 331. Good for you. That hasn't really boosted my engagement that much, though. Yeah, I mean, you should
0: call them out.
3: It's two or three, maybe, that trickle in weekly. I don't know if that's like a flex, but nothing ever really comes from it.
0: And, they it's don't all want a flex. that, then. <laughs> They
3: don't want nothing. Well, they want something, but I'm not willing to give them that. Well,
0: are you more likely to click if someone has it that they're vaccinated?
3: I think so. Because to me, it shows some degree of a social responsibility. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're vaccinated, okay, you, you're you about something.
0: Is that the first thing you ask in a question if they don't?
3: Um, No, I haven't really asked. Well, I, I have asked people socially. I haven't been around a man or to like, ask. Look, them. a message
0: like, how's the pandemic shooting you? No. Are you vaxxed? No.
3: That's not something that I'm tired of talking about it. I just kind of pretend it didn't happen, but in a responsible way. But I'm not talking about that on a dating app. Let me get to know you.
0: Okay. So I love these incentives. They're getting more and more out there. But anyway, hey, whatever works. Uh, We're going to be telling you more about the California updates in the next What's Trending This Hour in terms of opening June 15th and more. So stick around for that. But what's happening in Entertainment News, Shar?
3: Oh, my goodness. The T-Report. Mm. Prince Harry, as you may or may not know, um, teamed up with Oprah and they have a new Apple TV show titled The Me You Can't See. What a great name. It's about mental health and it launched today. Now, Harry is making headlines. He's had a few revelations within this series. Um, but the one I want to talk to you about is how he has, no quote, no regrets at all about Mexit. Uh, Harry... Kind of just sat down with Oprah, and during this interview, he's saying, based on the treatment of his mother and some of the PTSD he's still dealing with mm. as far as being a royal over there, um, he has no regrets. But I, I kind of already knew this. I felt like going into this story, I already knew this based on the interview that Oprah did with Harry and Meghan back in March. True.
0: It seems like uh, this is probably was shot while they did the other interview. It
3: might have been, but I know I should note that there were were um, a slew of headlines that came out a few weeks ago saying that Harry ended up regretting sitting down with Oprah and things of that nature. But I don't think that's true either, especially based on what he just said in the "Me You Can't See."
0: Yeah, I mean, I like what he's doing. I like this n- new uh, way. Uh, ch- chapter, I would say, like, version of him, even though he probably was the same person before. Mm-hmm. He did talk about, though, how he did drink a lot and party a lot. Yeah,
3: that's that's all in there. That's all in there. He also went on to say that he wishes that Megan could have met Diana, oh, and yeah. he, he wishes Archie could have, too. He quoted, Granny Diana, it's the sweetest thing. Uh. At the same time, it makes me really sad, yeah. because she should be here, and I agree, Harry. Uh. She should be here.
0: I just got chills, actually. Yeah. Well, okay, coming up on the show, the current state of Israel and Gaza, now that airstrikes have halted where do we go from here Uh, that is next with politico let's go there with shira and ryan channel q we're about to talk about the current state of gaza and israel now that there's been a ceasefire but stick around because in 10 minutes we're also talking to the researcher behind a new study showing how teens are more gender diverse Hmm. Uh, But right now, let's bring in senior editor at Politico, Ryan Heath, as we get into the latest happening between Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, There's been a ceasefire between the Israeli government and Hamas, but news has come out of confrontations continuing outside a Jerusalem mosque. Uh, Ryan, thanks again for joining us and tell us what the updates are.
4: Yes. So officially, the ceasefire is holding. That's making both sides happy, and they're both claiming Victory, which you know is not strictly a truthful representation of what 's going on, but that 's what you want each side in a conflict to believe that they got something out of a ceasefire so overall that 's good but something that we 've spoken about in the past on this show is that there are real problems oh i 'm sorry i 've got <laughs> noise in the background there um, there are real problems um, with this conflict because it spreads beyond the official parties firing rockets and bombs at each other. We've seen a lot of street-level violence and a lot of stuff that's very difficult to control. Um, sorry. sorry. There's a lot of um, violence that is very difficult to control, and that is the reason why you're seeing some of these, like, let's say, flare-ups today, because the politicians aren't in full control of this situation.
3: So I have to ask, and I don't even know if this is a fair question, how long do you see this ceasefire lasting for?
4: Well, these ceasefires can last for years. That's what we've seen in the past with this conflict, is that it's not a situation where everyone falls back into the same pattern of violence days or weeks later. But this is a seven-decade-long conflict. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we have a ceasefire now doesn't mean we're not going to be back at the same position in a year or two years' time. I think the next big thing that is going to sort of be a flashpoint is the final court decision on whether to evict, evict Palestinian families from a neighborhood in East Jerusalem where they've lived in for decades in favor of having uh, Jewish settlers move into that neighborhood. And then you have the situation where Israel might be headed back to another election, their fifth election in the last couple of years, because there's no clear answer on who should govern Israel. Mm-hmm. And so if Benjamin Netanyahu is able to be re-elected, He might use that mandate in ways that provoke some of the people in uh, Gaza or elsewhere, and we might get back to the same problems we've just been in. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's like being on a hamster wheel. Keep going and going and going. What do Israelis and Palestinians now want? Because that also seems, it seems clear, but also unclear in terms of how we're even going to get there right now.
4: Well, I think the long-term aim of most, Palestinians is some kind of solution that involves a secure state where they have a real government with real elections and free movement in and out of their borders. That is probably a long way off because of Israel's security concerns and because of the fact that the control of Palestine is quite divided. Hamas the militants, um, what most people define as a terrorist group, are in control in Gaza. And then there are other groups who are in control in the West Bank and and officially of the Palestinian Authority. Uh, And then there are big immediate needs. There is an absolutely huge COVID outbreak in Gaza right now, where one in every 20 people in Gaza is COVID positive at this Mm. moment. That is a far higher number than the U.S. ever had, a far higher rate than India has now. Uh, So you can only imagine how horrible that situation is for people who, uh, many of whom don't have sort of stable homes that they can be in, and who lack access to the sort of vaccinations and other treatments that we take for granted in the U.S. So with Palestinian
3: leadership, as you mentioned, in Gaza and in other areas being uh, divided, is there any, like, one particular like figurehead in the way that Israel has or no? It's just kind of like what does Palestinian leadership and authority look like?
4: Uh, It's pretty dismal to be honest and this is one of the problems. It's one of the reasons why you can give up hope as a young Palestinian or why people might turn to the terrorist end of the spectrum. So uh, Mahmoud Abbas is the leader of the Palestinian Authority, uh, but they haven't had elections now for 17 years. And that is not really the way you should be running what is in theory a democratic organization. So uh, there's a lot of excuses about why those elections don't happen. But I think it's really critical that uh, other democratic governments support Palestine to be able to hold those elections. Mm -hmm. And if there's pushback, we need to give our own pushback and say, okay, it's really time that these happen now. If you want the humanitarian assistance, which is obviously right, and what people need to lead a dignified life. Well, one of the conditions of that needs to be that you have a functional government that has functioning elections.
0: All right. Well, thank you for those updates. Still so many questions. I could talk to you for hours. But Ryan, he's senior editor at Politico. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. Coming up, nearly 1 in 10 teens identify as gender diverse, according to a new study. What this means for the next generation, next.
1: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
0: Coming up on the show in 15 minutes, more on the latest drama happening between New York City Pride and the cops. Stick around for that. Uh, but first, let's get into this new study the number of young people who are gender diverse, including transgender, non-binary, gender queer, may be significantly higher than previously thought. Dr. Casey Kidd joins us, who's a pediatrician and adolescent medicine fellow from UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So tell us about this new study to come out of Pittsburgh.
1: Sure. My team was really interested in seeing if we could ask a more inclusive question about gender identity, for all of our high school students in Pittsburgh Public Schools. And so we asked what's called a two-step gender identity question that asks about gender identity and also sex assigned at birth. And then we considered anyone who had any incongruence between those two things to potentially be someone who identified as gender diverse. And we found a much higher number than previous studies, which we thought was really interesting. Hmm.
3: So with this term gender diverse because it seems like mm-hmm. you know there's there's always new terms being birthed under the umbrella you know it's Absolutely. it's so common. So does gender diverse suggest that there's that gender I know that there's popular comp, uh, talking points about how gender is can be fluid. But does this mm-hmm. suggest that well th- does this reinforce that idea? That's what I should say, gender diverse. Hmm.
1: Certainly, we use it in our study, and our community uses it generally, as a pretty inclusive term for anyone whose gender identity doesn't completely align with the sex they were assigned, right? And we know that young people, especially, you're exactly right, are constantly exploring and inventing language, and we wanted to make sure that we were asking questions that really kind of better reflected the language that young people were using and their lived experience. Prior studies had used very kind of rigid questions like, do you identify as transgender? Yes, no, not sure. And for the young people that we work with, they felt like that well, that didn't reflect them, even though they did identify as gender diverse in some capacity. And so we think that the questions we asked likely uh, were more in line with how young people use language and felt about their identities. And we think that's why we had such a higher number, almost 10% of young people, expressing those gender diverse identities.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. It was one in 10 students identified as gender, times the current national estimates. So what can other studies or researchers take away from how you all did this so we have more accurate representation?
1: It's a really good question, and we think it's super important, right? We need to understand the prevalence of gender diverse identities so we can make sure we have enough resources and supports. Because unfortunately, this population does face some health disparities, and it's not everyone who identifies as gender diverse, but many young people. And so I would encourage future studies to consider asking more inclusive questions and making sure that we're using language that is reflective of people's lived experience to better understand.
3: So did you discover anything um, as far as like racial or ethnic breakdowns within this study?
1: So we did. And that was something that we were also really interested in looking at. We have a pediatric gender center in Pittsburgh, and the majority of the young people who we see in our clinic identify as white on kind of self-select surveys, and also more um, than you would expect, identify as masculine. Mm. and. In our study, we actually found very different breakdowns. We found that there were actually more young people of color who expressed a gender diverse identity. And also that there was a pretty even split between those who had feminine identities, masculine identities, and non-binary identities. And so it raises a question, you know, is it that this population of young people isn't seeking care or interested in care, which is possible. But I think more likely may be that systemic racism stigma are preventing young people who may be well served by our clinic and helped in our community space. They're preventing them from coming to actually see us.
0: I mean, yes, that's real. So what do you do with that information? Because that, that is the, that is probably the case because not yeah. everyone wants healthcare. I mean, come on, yeah. uh, but we know
1: how there's a lack of access. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a whole lot is community awareness, right? is, is, is doing research studies like this, right? And talking about this on your radio show and in other spaces that a whole lot of young people identify as gender diverse. That this is a normal part of human experience, but that these young people may need additional support and really normalizing the need to, to seek support and to have care access. But also more importantly, potentially even than that, is the recognition among primary care pediatricians and other doctors and health professionals that we need to be talking about this. We need to be asking young people, providing supports, even if young people don't disclose a gender-diverse identity to us. Our waiting rooms need to show inclusive signage. We need to talk about, you know, pride outside of June. We need to make sure that young people feel heard and seen in these spaces so that they can come to us for help.
0: Yeah, and also representation. Like, they need to see themselves at these spaces because there's a lack of trust also that's built with absolutely. the medical community. absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, thanks for this study. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. You too. That was Dr. Casey <laughs> Kidd, who is an adolescent medicine fellow from UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. Coming up on the show, the drama around the controversial New York City Pride cop ban that continues the latest. Up- I'm Sandra
2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Updates next. Let's go there with Shira
1: and Ryan. Channel Q.
0: New York City Pride has been in the headlines. We're going to tell you why and some of the latest updates. So... Here's what's happening. Heritage of Pride, the group that organizes New York City's Pride festivities, announced last week that they had banned uniformed police officers from marching in the parade. And that ended up creating a lot of controversy uh, that was actually led by the Gay Officers Action League, who said that this wasn't fair, they didn't include them in this decision. So then there was a vote yesterday to reverse the decision and allow LGBTQ officers to march armed and in uniform. And then last night they reversed it again so now i guess they're figuring out a way that they can march without the uniforms and also without deadly weapons which i was surprised that even we're going to let them have their weapons if they weren't going to be working right even mm-hmm. though you're kind of as if you're a cop i guess you're uh, you, always you're always yeah exactly <laughs> uh so Shar do you think they should have even announced this in the first place do you feel comfortable being at a pride without cops or that security
3: well you know this is a sticky sticky st- sticky sticky Mm -hmm. sticky sticky topic because of the contentious relationship you know I'm at the intersections of blackness as well okay Mm -hmm. so uh, the ways that uh, sometimes the police are positioned in certain instances don't necessarily always fare in my favor however what I will say is personally I am not a fan of large crowds whether it be pride or a concert it does not make me feel safe I'm a news girl I'm a journalist you know you come across all these different headlines and stories so it varies however However, it is a safety concern to to an extent because now public. What about? Extremist groups. What about people who are anti LGBT who might go to Pride now and yep. for the sole purpose of causing trouble? Knowing there's so, no knowing security that,
0: right there. They're exactly. like a block away or so. Yeah. But they're not gonna be right there.
3: Yeah. yeah so it, it's a it's it's something that's really, really nuanced. do you feel safe attending a
0: Pride? I, I did, we talked about this with Ryan last week when this got announced and I remember after the Pulse Nightclub shootings and then there was Pride, we had an event mm-hmm. right after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was scary.
3: Well, like, they, they apprehended someone. Yeah, who was there was on a bomb way. threat, right? Yeah, and he
0: had guns in his trunk. Right here in coming LA Coming from Prague. Santa Monica, yeah. So with that said, you're like, okay, in that, that mode, yeah, you want security there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want, hopefully leading up to it, police to be doing their job investigating anything sketchy. But then, of course, there's a contentious relationship. So it's a double-edged sword of, like, how do you make people feel safe, including with Pride last year with New York specifically, with, like, the uh, protesters and then they didn't treat them properly. Yeah, they
3: and... they were even – New York uh, PD was even attacking people during Black Lives Matter protests exactly. in front of Stonewall Inn. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, so it's just, it's just a lot. It's So mm. how
0: do you rebuild that trust so people feel Safe.
3: In all honesty, I think that that ship has sailed for a lot of different people.
0: Yeah. And so in the end, you're going to have some sort of security. It'll be like a community security. But then that also goes back to like then those people are probably trained from other people security yeah. places even though they're not quote unquote cops
3: i hope everyone is equipped and i hope everyone's safe that is what exactly I'll
0: say. well let us know what you think about this how you feel about new york city pride and possibly this might be something implemented at other prides at lgt shows where you could find us on social media we love to hear from you uh, but coming up indiana's take on pride flags that is getting a lot of people angry more details next on what's trending this hour Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, it's Shira here on Let's Go There on this lovely Friday. Joined by Shar Joselle filling in for Ryan. Yes, yes. TGIF. Yes, feeling it. I cannot believe we're already at the end of May, practically. That's crazier than the end of the week. Yeah. That is true. Before we know it, it's going to be Halloween and then Christmas. Please,
3: please, 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 please. Let me breathe, Shira. Let me breathe.
0: <laughs> so I will. Let's move on to what's coming up on the show. We've we got a lot of stuff for you. An app that could revolutionize public safety for black LGBTQ plus folks. That's in 15 minutes. Plus a lesbian student who has refused her graduation. She's suing... The Department of Education, on behalf of queer students, she joins us at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. Super excited for that conversation. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. California has an update on reopening. They shared specifics today on the June 15th reopening, saying capacity limitations are no longer going to be part of it. No physical distancing. They will follow also the CDC guidance on masking. For large events, though, as Governor Gavin Newsom said last week, there will be vaccine verification or negative test verification.
3: Because but, we know how noble and honest that yes, is. Yes,
0: but no vaccine passports.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where that came from. However, you know, just to talk, to speak to that point, mm-hmm. you do have to have certain vaccines to travel internationally. So I don't know why yeah. everybody was freaking out about the idea of a COVID one. Like, you gotta get shots before you go to certain this, countries. This isn't
0: revolutionary No, it's not all. anything new. And, and if anything, it's not the U.S., it's other countries. Get mad at them if you really are. But it's done for a reason, by the way. Yeah, since you're so mad. Yeah. But
3: speaking to this, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm going of those people who has been really like oh i can't wait to get back to real life and then this just seems so abrupt it seems uh, capitalistic i know that we got to get our economy back together but it's something about the no physical distancing that's icky to me like, give yeah, me, like, a, give me some I, personal space uh-huh. here.
0: I want that, whether we're in COVID or not. Exactly. Me too. <laughs> I agree. Me too. Uh, now, uh, transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg reversed a Trump administration policy this week, allowing for more federal dollars spent on public works projects to go to minority and disadvantaged workers. So, Barack Obama had started a five-year project in 2015 to allow local governments to have hiring preferences to help veterans, minorities, low-income workers. Donald Trump, of course, scrapped that in 2017. But Judge is bringing the initiative back as a two-four-year pilot program. So... Good stuff there. And that was what's training this hour. What's happening in Entertainment News Shar. So, Tracy Ellis Ross, who's one of my favorite
3: actresses, you know, she stars mm-hmm. on Blackish, she's Diana Ross's daughter, and Jessica Simpson's sister in law. Fun fact. Yes, I um, know. <laughs> But she, Tracy has always, she's 48 and she's single. And she sat down with Marie Claire. And in the interview, one of the questions I was asked to her was speaking to uh, how women are constantly fed this idea that marriage is the goal. I know Mm -hmm. this is not a new talking point. This is something that's cyclical. But if you really, really zoom out and look at a lot of the headlines as it pertains to uh, women celebrities, it's all like, how did Sierra get Russell? Uh, J-Lo and A-Rod. It's wrapped in the validation of, particularly relationships with men. That's what I'll say, because you don't really see much about Ellen and Portia. Uh, um, Tracy basically said that she is not closed off to the idea of getting married but what is she going to do in the interim sit around and wait she's got things to do and I totally agree with her when it comes to that Yep, she's a powerful woman she's a beautiful woman and you still you got to live life you have to live life and if you center relationships romantic relationships
0: around your life that's a
3: boring existence, if you ask me.
0: Well, yeah, she's killing it. And it's really about focusing on you when you're in any times of, uh, you know, that break between relationships. It's not about necessarily just finding the next person to cover it. The, no. You know, yeah, the yeah, gap. Yeah. It's about working on yourself in that gap. And marriage isn't the goal for everyone. Exactly. And that's the reality also. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah.
3: There's a lot that come with marriage. You know, that's a legally binding contract. Yeah, of course. We, we, we mask it in love. We shroud it in love. But that's, that's some legalese.
0: And I appreciate her for talking <laughs> about that because... Because I think it's important for women to see that that's possible, and it's okay to normalize it.
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, Shar, for that, for that inspiration. But coming up, the app that is designating safe spaces for the Black LGBTQ plus community. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, coming up in ten minutes, we're always making you smarter here on Let's Go There. We're going to be talking about how to use statistics to prepare for the next pandemic. Are you good at math, Shahar? Oh no, 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 Me no, no! Either. I
3: was definitely a history and oh. language arts English girl.
0: Love it. That's why I'm a journalist now. Of course. <laughs> well, my boyfriend actually had made spreadsheets of the numbers so he could see if the you know COVID was increasing in his area, and he would oh. send it to all his friends. So he's really into this. But we're gonna get into yeah how your relationship with stats can help you prepare for the next pandemic. Mm-hmm. But right now, let's talk about this thing called the lavender book it just got released it's a new crowdsourced directory that is aimed to alleviate anxieties about returning to normal life by creating or designating actually safe spaces for black lgbtq plus folks mm-hmm. um, so this is actually really interesting. We the- should
3: note we should note that the lavender book's name is based off. It's a play off of the Green Book, mm-hmm. which was a a guide of sorts for Black people, especially during um, the Jim Crow era, to safely navigate below the Mason Dixon line. Okay. To know what hotels to st- spend the night at. To know what gas stations were safe to go to. So it's a play on words with that, kind of like an ode.
0: Yes. Uh, so this was created by the National Black Justice Coalition and out in Tech. this is obviously needed. It's like a Yelp for okay. the black LGBTQ plus community, including as the world is opening up how do you find safe spaces? And that's the big question. And a lot of people think that something like this obviously is needed, and it will really come down to how they're curating it and how do they ensure that this is right. actually a safe space. Like, right. They have, You have to build that trust. Right. And I wonder,
3: you know, this is tech. This is uh, a dating app. I know that some things will probably slip through the cracks, but as someone who is on dating apps, as I've shared on this show, it can be a minefield out there. You know, there are people... And I have friends who are, of course, gay, and they tell me what goes on on a lot of like the jacks and the grinders as far as like the pervasive racism or the fetishism sometimes that takes place. So it'll be interesting to see what the clientele, so to speak, or the members or users of this app, what they'll encounter, what they'll experience, and if it'll be something that's really, really progressive and safe.
0: The the hope is and the assumption is it's by the people for the people in a way. Right. So David John's executive director of the National Black. (laughs) Black Justice Coalition, who is behind this, he told them um, that it was built for the black queer, black trans, black gender non-binary communities with a mission to spread the word about spaces where people can be themselves. Um, That's according to the website, but similar to the community-driven Yelp, as I mentioned, it allows you to um, search for the specific name of an establishment, specify their location, search by categories ranging from airsoft to zoos and apply filters like black-owned, soper-friendly, wheelchair ramp on site. Hmm. So this is actually really um, interesting, and they said a lot of times making phone calls and even like reaching out to your own networks to identify places where the likelihood of, of the, us being victims of verbal harassment, bias, discrimination, or violence—it's this—is a lot of work, and it's labor-intensive, and it's—it shouldn't be on people to have to do that but it is it's an it
3: unfortunate is. reality what I do like about this though is dating is only one aspect this the lavender book also focuses on businesses and in the future it, according to this article it may ex- extend to services like hospitals clinics healthcare centers which I think would be really really helpful given the the demographic you know everybody needs access and the best way to get access is creating safe spaces and raising awareness
0: what's interesting is Yelp actually said that they were going to do more of this but the th- the problem is when a tech platform is launched in a certain way it's hard to really switch the dna of a platform mm-hmm. if it's already what it is yes you could create these new preferences and regulations and make sure and have algorithms or even individuals that make sure there's no uh, like racism happening or sexism and homophobia or transphobia at these places. And then obviously the the users and clients can say that. But to start an app with this in mind, I think could revolutionize how we use apps like this.
3: Well, you know, Cher, it starts with the person. So the social change will be translated through, through the apps.
0: And the thing is, is this is for the black LGBTQ community. Will, uh, will other people start using this because they want oh, to be in those safe spaces too and then will it make
3: well no no it? no it goes beyond a safe space it, they will there, there's a, an app that I will not mention but there is an app that's like a black tender mm-hmm. it is like geared towards black people whether yep. you're cis well, I mean in fairness it is literally targeted more so towards like cishet but everybody a little bit of everybody's on there and you can modify your settings however there are others on there And this is an app that's clearly designated for black people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, come one, come all. You can't be discriminatory, but it's like, what are you here for?
0: Yeah, like, let. I've always liked
3: black girls.
0: Let people have their space, (laughs) right? It's there for a reason. Yeah. And recognize your own privilege, like. You don't need a sp- that Well, people space. lack
3: self-awareness, too. That's another proponent of this. But I'm very excited about this and very excited to see how this unfolds and exactly what happens with this specific dating app. And also, will this now spearhead other dating apps for other marginalized communities to be a part of? You get what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, check it out. LavenderBook.org. Uh, you could add to the space so you could search for a space. Really interesting stuff. And let us know what you think... Are you going to use something like this? Would you use something like this? At LGT shows where you can find us on social media.
3: You can also learn more about this app at them.us. Yes. That's where
0: uh, they talked about this. They wrote an article on it. And you're a contributor.
3: I am a contributor. Weekly. Shout out to my employer over there at Condé Nast on the channel Q. (laughs) Love
1: it.
5: (laughs) After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward.
1: Let's go there
0: with Shira, Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. Char Jacelle joins me, Shira Lazar, on this Friday show. And we still have a lot for y'all, including great music, but also great entertainment information. And energy. Yes, energy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm so excited because we have uh, this lesbian student who was refused for graduation, who's now suing the Department of Education, Joining us in 15 minutes. Okay.
3: Yes. That'll be interesting. Talk about some power there. She is getting
0: it done. She's going to be here to tell her story in a bit. And of course, in the tea, we're going to talk about a celebrity couple who might be open but might not. We're not sure.
3: That's in a Mm -hmm. moment as well. And we're going to talk about how Shira feels about open relationships.
0: That big news. (laughs) Exclusive. Yes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. South Korean President Moon Jae-in is the second world leader that met face-to-face with US President Biden at the White House today. Biden shared their commitment to the AAPI community. I wanna note that yesterday I had the honor of signing the law, the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, to help Americans of Asian descent from having to live in fear just walking down the streets of the United States. Quite frankly, I've been ashamed ashamed at the way some Americans have responded. And uh, there's a long history in this country of contributions of Asian Americans being overlooked, forgotten, and ignored. And I affirmed to President Moon today what I said
4: yesterday, that we're committing, and we're going to stay committed, to stopping the hatred based on this bias. I promise you.
0: Okay. Preach. It's good to know. I feel like every day biden's gonna need to say this about unfortunately another community right commitment i mean that's where we're at yeah and he can't do it
3: alone everybody needs to make a conscious effort to be a better person
0: that is true and if we need to say it over and over again so be it i just wish we didn't have to say it just was what it was anyway well three teachers at a high school in indiana have been ordered to remove pride flags from their classrooms why you might ask because it They're making a political statement, according to this principle. And as you can imagine, a lot of people are not happy about this. So this was what they got from the principal. The issue with displaying the flag in a school is a double-edged sword. If an LGBTQ plus flag is allowed to be displayed, then any other group would have the same ability. That can include such flags as supporting white supremacy. Oh, my God! Well, yeah, that makes sense. Which is in a direct conflict with LGBTQ+. Actually,
3: it's not. But oh we God. can keep going. There's plenty of, I hope there are this, plenty of LGBTQ white supremacists. I, that's a fact. I'm sorry. It's true. <laughs> that's an
0: interesting take on it. It's true. I, I hope we can model equality and support through our actions. Well, not really through your actions. That's not really. Modeling that. Uh, and so students obviously have been up in arms. They said, why would you compare a racist flag those two have nothing to do with each other one is it about inclusiveness and the other is about hate and exclusion and i don't think that's the same thing at all
3: yeah but he's gonna pull all the all the tricks out of his hat to to make sure that this flag comes down and i would argue that being lgbtq is inherently political however there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with hanging an lgbt flag or the rainbow flag because you know the trans flag has different colors it's blue and pink and white but there's no, there, i i agree with what the students say well, of course. it's about inclusion this and is letting crazy. you know that, that that classroom or that teacher might be a safe space for you to come and talk to and things like that
0: so there is an online petition uh, if you want to sign it it has more than uh, i guess 3,300 signatures anyway so go check it out it's uh the sm csc school board or just search Indiana High School pride flag. Okay, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? All right, well... Kylie Jenner and Travis uh, Carter,
3: uh, Travis Scott excuse me, are reportedly giving love <laughs> another shot. Too many
0: Travises involved in this family. I know. There's a lot of different Travises.
3: But uh, <laughs> reportedly giving love another shot. Now, it was initially reported that the two were together. This is what a source is saying, that the two had gotten back together and rekindled their relationship and were in an open relationship. However, Kylie Jenner tweeted earlier today, quote, you guys are really just making anything up. I'm not discrediting anyone who's in an open relationship, but it's just careless and disrespectful Mm -hmm. to throw this narrative out there without knowing what's true. Now, there's been a counter source, I should say, who says that these two are not together. You know, they just share a little baby Stormy. However, Shira, Mm -hmm. what's your take on open relationships? This is a hot button issue I feel like. Um, And it it always surfaces.
0: Yeah, listen, if you could do it Bless you. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm sure it's it's fun to do whatever you want in a relationship in that way. I think there's a beautiful thing about a commitment, and if you're down for that. But once again, whatever floats your boat. I've just never seen it personally. It. But once again, work because I feel like someone gets involved. You and gotta
3: have a very particular personality boundaries type. Boundaries, also.
0: You gotta have boundaries. There's gotta be rules. And life is complicated enough. I can barely deal Maintain with one person <laughs> one relationship let alone more but anyway that that's my take on it but if you're at their level and you're not together a lot yeah and you're away a lot it could just mean like um, he might have a different girl in every city exactly like don't ask don't tell yeah,
3: yeah, that's That is it. a thing. Oh yes. I I have friends who date athletes and that's basically you know what you sign up for, you know? Hate to say it. But exactly. Don't so ask maybe
0: them. that's it. That's their rule. Maybe so. Well, coming up on the show, we are so happy to have an early Yaz Queen. This lesbian student who is now suing the Department of Education will tell you why next.
1: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, channel Q.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back.
3: Yes, you're listening to Channel Q. Let's go there with Sharon Ryan. I'm Shar Jassel filling in for Ryan. Yes. And I, this is a story that I've really, really been looking forward to because we're in conversation with Megan Steffen, who is a Michigan native turned proud Chicagoan. Shout out to my hometown. And, you know, she has a career focused on community organizing and human rights. Now, Megan Mm -hmm. penned an essay to LGBTQNation.com detailing how her alma mater voted to reject her graduation. even know this was possible. But since then, she's gone on to file a lawsuit against the Department of Education on behalf of herself and others who might encounter this type of discrimination. Megan, are you on the line? Let's get into it.
5: Yes, I am here. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. How are you? I'm doing all right. I mean, this is my first radio interview, so what? I'm very excited. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm so Thank glad you. to have
3: you, my fellow Chicagoan, even though I know you're yeah, Michigan. I know.
5: Right? I- I heard that. I was so excited. I, <laughs> I, I've turned proud Chicagoan because I've been here for a few years now and I love it. <laughs> I love, love that. It. So,
3: so tell walk us through exactly what went down. I read your essay and I, I have cotton mouth like I'm floored. Walk us through, walk the yes. listeners through.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who didn't get a chance to read to the essay, what happened was what I talk about in the essay is Um, This one situation, it was a few weeks before graduation, and I, like everyone else, am of course very excited. Um, It was 2020, so not an ideal year, but me and my family were excited for my virtual graduation, had my cap and gown all laid out and everything, and less than two weeks before, I got an email from some administrators at my school who said they needed to set up a meeting with me. Now, this was not my first meeting with administration over me being queer, so I knew it had to do with me being a lesbian. Um, And during this meeting, you know, I'm thinking, I'm I'm just thinking, what have I gotten in trouble for this time? What have they found that they have an issue with me being queer this time? And they let me know that our school has um, a a bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a bit of a system leading up to graduations where they send all the faculty a list of students. And the staff can object to any graduation they want if they think a student doesn't deserve to graduate and won't represent the school well. Um, So they had let me know that some professors had objected to my graduation um clearly obviously it was because i was a lesbian now luckily i ended up being able to graduate i managed to kind of somehow make it out there with a diploma but i had to fight tooth and nail and that was just the last scenario that i had in last meeting with them in between like before that meeting i had 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 up to 10 meetings with administration just because
0: of the issue they had with me being a lesbian and being out Yeah, and this is unfortunately not the first time we've heard about this. We've heard about other colleges doing the same type of thing to uh, LGBTQ plus students. You went to Moody Bible Institute. Had they done this before? So I do not know if anything like this
5: specifically had happened, but their history of being anti-LGBTQ is longstanding. So maybe you didn't have a story as specific to mine, but you definitely had people who were— Um, maybe like got caught um, like doing going on dates with someone of the same sex and they would get expelled. Um, They've definitely had students who they I know people who this was only about 10 years ago. I have a friend who was sent to um, it was conversion therapy, but it was um, double that because there was actually an exorcism that took place at that conversion therapy. So and this is just—these are just stories from Moody Bible Institute. So it is, Do you? Know, it is—it has been anti-LGBTQ, yeah. Me- Megan, do you know that
3: if they keep this same energy with other things that they deem, quote-unquote,
5: sinful? You know, no, they definitely do not. I thought about it. I was going to give them the benefit of the, the doubt for a second, but it, it's— I, They do not. Um, One thing I bring up a lot is, obviously, um, I care a lot about human rights, I care about LGBTQ rights, but I especially um, care a lot about women's rights, especially Mm -hmm. on that campus, just because there was a lot of rampant sexism, um, and unfortunately, there was a lot of abuse and a lot of rape culture that was taking place there, and one thing that me and my friends there would always be very upset about is, we're like, the punishment that LGBTQ people are getting for for existing here is, is literally much worse than that of someone who sexually assaults someone on campus or someone who harasses someone on campus or someone who makes a racist remark or, or or does racist graffiti. Moody is publicly very much so protected those people while very actively discriminating against queer students on their campus.
0: So, yeah, everything you're saying is horrifying, and I don't yeah. even get how a school can just stay vile. open legally yeah. doing this. Tell Plenty us of them do. Uh, about... Reap the Religious Exemption Accountability Project.
5: Yes, yeah, you guys gave me a great segue. You have to ask the question: How is this legal? How is this happening? Um, and one thing that um, Reap especially plays on is it's Reap. For those listening at home who don't um, aren't familiar with it, like you said, it's the Religious Exemption Accountability Project. And what they're doing is they reach out to me as well as um, a few over thirty other plaintiffs who are other alumni or students at schools like Moody Bible Institute. Who are LGBTQ and have had discrimination at their school. And they're saying that schools like Moody, um, and especially there's over 200 schools that receive taxpayer funding, so those religious, like religious schools that do, for those religious schools that accept federal funding, REPA is trying to say that when you take that federal funding, you are agreeing to protect LGBTQ students on your campus and protect all students on your campus. And what we're trying to do with this lawsuit is have the courts declare that it's unconstitutional for them to not only not protect us, but to actively discriminate against us as well.
0: But let's get into uh, this lawsuit. Yes. Yeah, so um, I, along with a little, a little over 30
5: other students or alumni from um, federally funded, religiously affiliated schools, are working on this lawsuit um, as a project with REAP, the Religious Ac- um, Exemption Accountability Project, and what we're trying to do is, we're suing the U.S. Department of Education specifically to say, if you're going to be able, if you're going to be providing federally funded money to these colleges on, on our money, on the taxpayer dime, then you need to make sure that every single person is being respected and pe- protected on your campus, including LGBTQ+
4: students.
3: Yeah, I think what in, I think what uh, intrigues me the most about this or one of the most interesting aspects I find and offensive is that you completed all of the necessary requirements for graduation. Mm-hmm. And this board, I guess, came together to reject your commencement based on your sexuality. Like, like the, that just sounds so, so far left field to me that it, it does not make any sense if you completed all of your coursework and had all of the credits and were fully geared up to graduate.
5: Yeah, exactly, and that's how it felt. it, it especially um, some of the people that objected, they didn't know me, so so it's hard, you know. You oh, anybody who's been in college or has even been in high school, you know, you work years and you do all these projects, you work really hard to get to the point of graduating, and for someone to say. Yes, you did all of that. Yes, you've accomplished it all. But because of who you are, because of the person you are, wow. you do not deserve to graduate. It's, it's incredibly
0: hurtful. And, and they're getting away with it at many of these colleges. So how historic is this class action lawsuit and what's happening now?
5: Yeah, so right now what's happening, um, it, it's incredibly historic. There's never been um a lawsuit like this before. There's never been a case like this before, especially on such a wide scale. We have schools from every part of the country, uh, or students representing schools from every part of the country on this. And right now, where it stands is it's been filed with the, with the courts. So we're in the process of that. I'm not going to pretend to know all the legal jargon, much to mm-hmm. my lawyer's dismay, who has to repeat the words every time. But I know that the case has been filed, and I know that it's under review by the U.S. Department of Education, uh, besides that, then it's not too much that I think I can say, but I know that the U.S. Department of Education has reviewed it, and hopefully um, we'll actually be having some hearings soon that I'll get to take a part of and share my story and just share why it's so important that these schools are held accountable.
0: Yeah, so what happens? You have 30 seconds left, but, <laughs> yeah, quickly. Uh, you know, if this goes through, or I guess if, if they say, okay, that this has been wrong, what happens now?
5: They say that it's been wrong. It says that all of these schools that are taking federally funding money, they need to protect and respect all their students, including LGBTQ ones. So it'll be thousands. It'll be protection for thousands of students on these campuses.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for Ooh. speaking out and everything you're doing. We hope to have you back. Yes, you're a yeah, great talker. I would talker. love to at any time. Thank you so much. I love to talk, so I'm always oh, here. Oh, so <laughs>
5: sweet. That was uh,
0: Megan Stefan, who's uh, a community organizer, human rights activist. Doing great things. Check out her essay in LGBTQNation.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This um, clip stood out because he had to address the controversy surrounding his brother, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and the recent news that actually he joined a series of conference calls that included the Democratic governor's top aide, his communications team's lawyers, a number of outside advisors. And now he's being called out for that, saying um, it's unethical. He's a journalist. He's a reporter. He's a a primetime anchor on CNN. So he had to address this and apologize to everyone. So here that is. But
3: allow me a moment if you'll remember I told you back in the beginning of March I can't cover my brother's troubles It wouldn't be fair and you got it then and I appreciate you understanding Now today there are stories out there about me offering my brother advice Of course I do this is no revelation I have said it publicly and I certainly have never hidden it I can be objective about just about any topic But not about my family those of you who watch this show get it. Like you, I bet my family means everything to me. And I am fiercely loyal to them.
0: Okay, so again, that was CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. So uh, this is the question, and I would love to hear from you, Shar, because you obviously are a journalist. Was it unethical how he's treated this entire thing, from having his brother on at the beginning of the pandemic uh, to now behind-the-scenes Helping his brother out. So here's the
3: thing. I think that the there there was no harm no foul with having his brother on because his brother is a political uh, figure. He's running New York, and we were in a deadly pandemic. So there's nothing wrong with that. However, it did get a little kitschy, coup. Like some of their segments. You know, they were doing skits and. And in all honesty, people can say what they want to today about it, but when it was happening in real time, there were tons of people enjoying watching these brothers go at it and kind of do quips live on air. Hey,
0: I was one of those people. I I got into the Cuomo brothers. I'll admit it. And I kind of feel bad about it, embarrassed, because of then everything that went down after the fact. He is in a very unique position right now. Absolutely. He he says it in that video, because that video continues. And actually, it was so... um, interesting to watch i could have played the whole thing that was almost three minutes long but we didn't obviously but uh you know it's interesting family comes first then your job but he said what are the chances you would have a main cnn anchor right Mm -hmm. Uh, who has a brother who's a politician a governor who the spotlight is on including during the pandemic right and then has all these scandals come up and then you have to deal with this like that is a rare Occasion. I think
3: I think where they messed up at like I love that he's not covering this like he has never tried to police anyone's covering of this yeah. case in, for, you know, to my knowledge, he has never tried to like police or criticize or whatever. But he just said that he didn't want to do it and that's something that I can understand to a degree. The accusations against Andrew are vile and disgusting. Oh, they're bad. They're really, really bad. But being in that place, I like thinking like if I was on air on a primetime show with garnering millions of viewers, I don't know if I'd have the emotional fortitude to report against a family member, much less a sibling, uh, despite what they might have done i might like you let your colleagues in at the hour before you or the hour after you kind of have that that story but it's like where do you draw the line and where cnn kind of dropped the ball was kind of letting these brothers kind of like be on air doing
0: slapstick comedy well that was because it- they didn't know about this going down, but maybe why wait for but something that's bad the risk. to happen? That's the
3: risk that they ran. Yeah,
0: why wait for something bad to happen in general? Even if it's fun and the person is a star, because he he was being looked at as oh, he's going to be running for president. I don't know about right now after all this stuff going down. So yes, they set it up so that if anything bad happens, they would it be, fell on their lap. Yeah, after they him. knew the yes. CNN
3: knew the risk that, so, that they were running. I
0: think everyone is responsible here. I think personally, and you can. You know, call Chris out and and many have and many journalists have. I think he handled it as well as he could have handled it. I do think that apology was a good apology. Uh, I
3: think that also if he's going to counsel his brother, that it shouldn't have had an audience. They could have had a brother to brother conversation. Having the audience is how you got the leak.
0: So that's the thing. So. Oh, one, if you're on these conversations with multiple people, you know someone's going to say something, of course, right? So either tell CNN, "Hey, is it okay that I do this?" and tell your brother, "I can't be on these calls. I'll talk." Yeah, talk to you one on one. I can't be. With I'll other talk people. to you one on
3: one around the kitchen table when exactly. mom is making her lasagna, and maybe we can have a, a conversation about it. But to counsel with eight other people on a conference call—that was irresponsible. And I, to me, you have to expect these things to leak. Yeah, you're not like Joe Schmoe, brother. You can't be blindsided if these things leak. But he is in a very, as he worded it, unique situation. Because as far as we know, you know, Andrew's sins don't fall in Chris's lap. But you're a journalist and you got to report the news.
0: And CNN did have to make a statement saying things like it wasn't appropriate. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. um, And that there's no tolerance for stuff like that. Like they do have... Uh, you know, and understand their journalistic integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, the, the other
3: the other side of this, yeah. because they talked about this briefly on The View this morning and they referenced how Sean Hannity was practically a president, a White House advisor while, while you know, Trump was in office on Fox News. So it's like, yeah, where do you different. draw the line? But that
0: Fox News is Fox News. I think CNN is trying to maintain a certain amount of Still journalistic have integrity. standards. Yeah. <laughs> so, but do you think though that CNN is going to fire him over no, this? No. Chris Cromwell's
3: not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. I think this was a slap on the wrist. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to get rid of him.
0: Okay. Well, let us know. Do you what, let what? me ask you this before we go out. Yeah. Do you look at this as a fireable offense? I think he's been around long enough and he's proven himself and that this could definitely put him in the red a bit right? Because I feel like with all these networks evolving, hiring new talent, new primetime talent, I do think, even if you've been around for a while, you have to watch yourself, and you have to...
3: But do you think it's a fireable uh, offense? No, I
0: don't think he will get fired over it necessarily, unless he decides to quote-unquote resign or take a break, right? Okay. Right? Anyway.
3: I don't see CNN pulling the plug on Cuomo, personally.
0: Yep. Well, let us know what you think. At LGT shows, where you can find (laughs) us on social media. It might get more awkward if... He, his brother ends up being guilty. Yeah, that's where I think he might say, "I don't know." At a certain point, do you take a break from the news? This is but like weird. I said,
3: he can't. You cannot hold Chris accountable for no. things that Andrew did. That's not fair. No, that isn't. That's not fair, and it's not right.
1: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. We're
0: wrapping up our show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of not just the day but the week, Yaz Queen.
3: I like that. that that's a <laughs> remix. I'm used to Ryan's exactly. version. I like that one, Shira.
0: <laughs> now, our first one goes to Mix Me- Miss Mexico, Andrea Meza, who is crowned Miss Universe, and is doing great things already with her platform. She's an advocate for women's rights and wants to bring attention to the issue of gender-based violence. It's good. Important stuff. She also has a degree in software engineering, and she's going to use her career in STEM to encourage other women to pursue STEM, which is very important, and combat all the stereotypes that we all face breaking into the industry. This is huge. Congratulations, Andrea. Yes, Miss Universe. Not just Miss Mexico anymore. I can barely say that. Yeah. The pageant world is a vicious
3: (sighs) one, and she was crowned Miss Universe. Like, What a title.
0: Exactly. That's a huge
3: responsibility, but I'm sure she'll knock it out of the park.
0: And finally, a big shout-out to Demi Lovato, who came out as non-binary this week.
3: Yes, I saw.
0: And also... uh, announced and launched their podcast on Odyssey. What an honor to have them as part of the family. Their podcast is called 4D with Demi Lovato, coming out every single Wednesday on Odyssey.
3: Demi's going to be busy because they also have a show exploring UFOs or something like that I read. Like, literally it's every two days Demi's in in, in the headlines. A new announcement. I just let out a sigh. I like Demi, though. I like sorry.
0: Baby, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, that's a good song. It's my favorite Demi. Well, a big congrats. (laughs) We love that they are doing well and being who they are. That's great. And we want to thank all of you for hanging out with us throughout the week. Every single day here on Channel Q, live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Char will be back with us Monday and Tuesday, filling in for Ryan. Sure will. Thanks again for being part of the family and the madness.
3: Yes, thank you. Today was was quite
0: a, a lot of madness. Like, we I got want a burger.
3: It. I don't even eat beef, but I'm getting a <laughs> burger after this, and I'm going to go home and shut the blinds.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those I should days. order you a, a drink too, like a whole <laughs> bottle of something. Well, it means a lot, and it, it, it helps to have you here, and I really appreciate thank it. Thank you for
3: having me, Shira.
0: And if you miss any of our shows, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app, and you can search Let's Go There along with 40 with Demi Lovato. It's that easy we are back Monday weekdays here and of course on Monday we're going to be bringing you what's trending this hour we're going to talk about why caffeine makes you feel better and um, our gay men who date their lookalikes being narcissistic Hmm. diving in have a great weekend we'll see you Monday and now stay tuned for DJ Alex D with What's Poppin
2: this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news